I'd love to just welcome everyone to this week's Citizens Climate University. It's a weekly webinar program of Citizens Climate Lobbies that provides access to in-depth training opportunities on topics related to climate change and effective climate advocacy. I'm your host, Brett Seas, and tonight we're going to be exploring how we can empower each other in our climate advocacy. And really, the backstory behind this is, as individuals, we know a growing majority of Americans feel urgent about the seriousness of climate change and the importance for taking more action. And yet, there is this ongoing perception gap, and we'll talk more specifically about what that term means tonight, between how strongly we might feel internally and how much we perceive those around us externally actually engaging or caring. And if we don't see others talking about this issue and taking action, we tend to assume then that other people simply just don't care. And that in turn leads to tonight's training where we're gonna hear from a variety of CCL staff and volunteers on what and how each of us can break that spiral of silence in our own lives and empower our fellow community members to live into CCL's mission of experiencing individual breakthroughs in the exercise of our personal and political power. And so with that, we are just really looking forward to jumping right in. Our three learning goals, if we've done our job correctly tonight, are to help you understand the barriers behind what might be preventing more of our connections to get involved, to bond, connect, and inspire using that same three-point framework that Dr. Catherine Hayhoe's framework in your own climate conversations can help you remember and to remember and center ourselves in empowering our friends and community members around us to engage in climate advocacy in their own terms to feel that larger connection. So our agenda is really just giving a little bit of a background and then focusing specifically on some of the uh, research out there that really is trying to highlight where this perception gap is coming from, how real is it, what is the general public's perception around concern for climate change? And knowing all this, how we can then enact empowerment in our own lives and in our own work with CCL. So let's start with the challenge. Um, for any of you that have seen Don't Look Up yet, this powerful scene in the movie, I think is a um, experience that many of us may have encountered or feel like we can identify in our own lives. And that comes when uh, the main actor, Leonardo DiCaprio, is on a talk show trying to explain to the hosts the importance of <laughs> avoid, taking strong action to avoid the impending comet that's colliding into Earth. And in turn, for us, you know, especially within the climate movement, it can seem that very few people around us seem to really grasp the importance of addressing climate change. And I think that really is the rub behind why so much of what we're gonna be talking about tonight feels challenging. It's just we, we really aren't seeing visible evidence of the people in our lives and those around us that are actually doing things like this, working together to take action, uh, whether it's you know working towards climate adaptation and um, resiliency, whether it's working on policy advocacy, where, whether it's just helping people get engaged in the community and build that connection to the natural world and caretaking. So let's talk more tonight about this and how we can get this in the places that we love and care for, rather than feeling like we might just be screaming in the vacuum. So a little bit of background um, as we transition into the Yale's project on climate change and specifically global warming's six Americas. Yale has been at this a long time. And you can see here what, you know, in their prior research, they've divided 
uh, America into six distinct categories in terms of their group beliefs around global warming or climate change. And this is based not only on their beliefs, but their attitudes, their policy support, and their behavior about climate change. Just for fun, if you haven't done this yet, I've also put in the chat a short six-question quiz that Yale's put together. It's actually called Sassy. And basically what it does is help you determine which of these six Americas you most identify with. And so feel free to do that as I'm going through tonight. But as you can imagine, the alarmed are the most engaged or very worried about global warming and strongly support climate action. The concerned think that global warming is a significant threat, but prioritize it less and are less likely to be taking action. Uh, the cautious are aware of climate change, but they're uncertain about its causes or they're not very worried about it. Uh, the disengaged, uh, as you can see here, with uh, just stuck in traffic are largely unaware of global warming. Uh, while the doubtful doubt it's happening or really that it's human caused and perceive it to be a low risk. And then lastly, the dismissive is the category that just firmly outright reject the reality of human caused global warming and oppose climate change policy. So why is this important to our topic tonight? Well, I would say that this division now, if you go to this next way of understanding it, and this is a beautiful tabling activity that we've seen a lot of CCLers apply locally, is that it shows just how much concern there is out there, right? Yale's been at this for a long time, and in the next slide, I'll actually show you how it's changed. But today, this study again, as of a year ago, highlights that in America, the alarmed in that category outnumber the dismissive by more than three to one, right? 33% of Americans in that our category of being alarmed, deeply caring about climate change and taking action on it, and only less than 10% are right dismissive. And we can also see this, that about six in 10 Americans are either alarmed or concerned. So, you know, and only two in 10 are doubtful or dismissive. So again, that numbering three to one advantage. And the other thing that I think is even more significant for us as climate advocates is to understand the change over time, right? So you can see that there's been significant growth in the distribution over the past five years. The alarm segment, it's grown 15% from 18 to 33%. And you can see again that we, you know, overall Americans are becoming more worried about global warming. Another really helpful graph that tracks this even a longer period of time from 2008 to now is this interactive visual that's showing not only the place at each time where each of these six Americas is, but also the relative size, like we saw in that last category. You can see that, again, over time, the alarmed and the concern have continued to just grow larger and larger. So I'll just pause that for now. Uh, but we want to just highlight that the concerned has grown quickly. The alarmed experienced rapid growth in the last five years, and the doubtful, dismissive, and cautious have been shrinking. Regardless of how you categorize Americans in which of those six Americas, put another way, it's simple enough to remember that a strong majority of Americans are worried about global warming. This is a consistent result. Each of these bar graph columns indicates another slice that was done basically multi-times over every year that Yale's done over the last 15 years. And right now, almost two-thirds of Americans express when polled whether they're very worried or somewhat worried about global warming. And at the same time, 
We also know that this is really, I think, where groups like CCL are absolutely critical. Because when asked about it in the same survey with the same people, two in three Americans say that they rarely or never discuss global warming with their family. And you can see that this tracks pretty consistently over that same time period as well. If anything, it's kind of a little bit more actually ticking up, um, but kind of hovering around that same one third period of people occasionally or often actually talking about climate change. And so if you are worried about something and you are looking for social proof and evidence of it being also a concern or a worry for those loved ones in your life, and you're not talking yourself, and you're not seeing others talk about it, that really is where we get tonight into how we can move forward as individuals to really break free of that spiral of silence. And what I'd also like to do tonight is just debut a little additional research uh, that's kind of helpful for the sake of discussion. And that is that CCL building on this has done some internal research to seek out the insights of the actual individuals that I'm gonna talk about in a little bit. Uh, that basically wanted to understand uh, more about the climate crisis from a diverse uh, array of thought leaders, including the resonance of some specific climate policy to really help inform our effort uh, to really be able to create more action and engagement around our work. So that's what this next suite of discussion items is going to be about. With this, um, I did want to highlight that, you know, it's basically the, the next seven or eight slides are uh, from this study. It's a non-randomized control trial, right? This is an outfit that we use to recruit 127 thought leaders across a precise list of demographic categories, political ideologies, locations, and faith throughout the country. And what we really wanted to do was hear what transferred across each of these groups and what were the themes that they shared. What were some of the things that they were willing to talk about? None of them really were engaged on climate change, um, and what did we learn from this research pool? And the thing I think that's really also important to say is that even though this wasn't style, uh, trial, the firm that did the study also does them with large corporations. They actually did one just at the same time with Snapchat and on climate change. And the themes that they found that we're gonna explore with the, um, the group that we did internally with CCL were really found beyond this uh, explicit audience. And I'd, I'd say that you're also going to see that it really resonates with a lot of the same information we just covered with Yale. So number one, we think that we're more concerned about this topic than those around us in our lives, right? Across a wide range of communities, thought leaders consider themselves more concerned than others in those same communities. So this question here that was posed, would you say that you are personally more or less concerned about climate change than others in the communities uh, that you identify with, highlights again that almost 40% of individuals responded by saying that they perceive themselves to be more concerned than some, but less than others. And then the other 31% said more concerned than the rest of those communities. So again, a broad majority experiencing the belief that they are already more plugged in or worried it really kind of, I think, speaks to that main theme of people feeling urgent about climate change and comparing their insides and their experience internally to other people's outsides or exterior projection. And so because they don't see anyone else taking action, they assume that other people don't care. And we found that, you know, regardless of the different demographic breakdowns, people on this basically responded 
to feel that they were more concerned and it suggests really an overall lack of discourse around that issue within the communities themselves. Now let's tease that out a little bit more. And these next three are asking the same individuals in this internal study by CCL about how urgent they feel the problem of climate change is, rated an 8.5 out of 10, how motivated they are to personally take action, you'll see a little less likely at the 10 point scale, and then how much potential they feel like even acting on it would have, again, a little less likely. So thought leaders' concerns really about climate change is higher than their motivation to address it, and respondents were more worried than they were likely to act. I'm guessing this probably resonates with your own experience with your own social circles or people in your life. We also asked this question on a zero to 10 scale, how much do people in your community trust the following to make decisions about climate change that reflect the will of the community? And on that zero to 10 scale, they rated local elected officials the highest at 4.4 out of 10, not high. They also then rated their governors or state officials at 4.3 and members of Congress at 4.1. And so again, what this is doing is identifying that trust in elected officials is consistently low across lines, across levels of government. And it really was across the political lines, uh, the racial ethnic groups that were surveyed really throughout the different survey populations. So let's then talk about what moves them to act. Well, on a zero to 10 scale, how much potential for impact do you think elected officials have to combat climate change? People rated that as a 7.4. And then how much impact do you think your views on climate change have in the actions your elected officials take? Less so. So again, rating the potential for impact is high in influencing elected officials to take action on climate change. Uh, but not as much as far as the belief that that action could then have an impact. A very interesting way of just highlighting again, this perception of powerlessness. How can I actually be effective on an issue I care about? And does the belief in my own action actually making a difference show up when surveyed or people asking me about how I feel? One last thing we'll uh, share here just on the overall, um, the challenge side of things is that there was a real dynamic um, that was identified between lifestyle versus systemic change. So there was, you know, some of the thought leaders that were surveyed explained that they rated their personal potential for impact on the lower end of uh, light of what they saw as corporate actors uh, with obviously an oversized negative impact. Uh, that could have ranged from a sense of oil and gas companies um, as major polluters that weren't basically being able, you know, they weren't paying for the pollution that they were using the open atmosphere um, to pollute, uh, to concern over corporate jets or celebrities use of them. Um, and just really a general sense that some of these policies um, allow corporations uh, to keep damaging climate, to not really be able to really shape their own um, long-term emissions, um, but just, you know, use it as a get out of jail free card. So that dynamic emerges of really what difference can I make in my lifestyle and the work that I do, whether it's recycling, driving less, conserving energy versus this larger systemic change and the need that really undermines, I guess, the scale of the problem um, relative to the belief in potential for impact. 
the other thing that I, I wanted to highlight here, I don't know if others read this. This was a study uh, that was done in climate communications, and I'll put a link to it in the chat over the summer. It was published. It's a great write-up in Scientific America, and basically what it identified is this perception gap that we're talking about, right? Between people that support climate policies and their perception of others around them's support. Um, this survey basically found that people vastly underestimated public support for these measures. Um, obviously, we talked about the Yale program on climate change communication showing that around 66 to 80 percent of people um, supporting a lot of these major climate um, mitigation policies. But in this study that I just put in the chat, it showed that basically only 37 to 43 percent of people were uh, estimated to believe that. So a big reduction, a range of 80 to 90% of those polled underestimated the US population's climate concern and support for major climate policies. And why that's important, and this is in that uh, Scientific American article, is the cascading effect of what's known as false social reality. And the lead author of the study basically was interviewed and said, when people assume something isn't popular, they don't talk about it. Or if you think people aren't worried about something, you don't talk about it. So everyone is engaged in self-silencing. And collectively, the outcome of that is pretty big, right? Because whenever we look around and we see nobody talking, it just confirms that it seems like nobody cares. And that's what you get with a spiral of silence. So we've identified the challenge here. Uh, we've used a, a variety of research points to touch on what we're up against. So given all this, we can really understand people's concerns, right? The review highlighted the importance of recognizing that a lot of the individuals that we're going to be encountering recognize that they feel alone, that no one else is taking action around them, that they have a lack of trust in government actually following through with their requests, that they feel that individual actions alone are not going to add up to really addressing the scale of the the crisis that we face, and that there is this motivation perception gap, right, between what they feel is important and what they are underestimating public support around actually being able to rally. And now comes what I would say the good news. And the reason why is that's because where we come in, right? As CCLers, we have a very unique and essential role to play as a climate action community, being able to generate that engine of conversation locally and provide that positive reinforcement in our own lives, not only within the chapter, but then rippling out in the lives of those that we touch in our work, in our play, in our family environment, in our extended social circles. And so if you really take away anything tonight, it's just the importance that you are already playing in empowering others around you in your climate advocacy by doing the simple things that you already are. My big takeaway here is that you don't have to do more to be effective if you're already being your authentic self, engaging out of concern and personal motivation with those around you to help them take further, more ambitious action and get activated. Now with that, we can continue to kind of explore some of the additional findings or ways that we can activate others. In that same internal CCL research study, um, a question was asked, in your opinion, what would drive people in your community to get more active around climate change? And you can see here the critical role of providing education or information 
to those around us, right? Because I think for many of us, we often feel like we might not have the full picture. We might not know fully what's happening. And we need to find a way to talk about it because, you know, we didn't really see anything else going on around us in that conversation. And so education is a really critical, important piece of the puzzle for respondents in terms of both their own education and that of others in the community. And you can also see here that obviously, you know, others feel like their communities might not be properly equipped yet by wanting to make sure their elected officials close the education gap uh, with a particular focus on the benefits um, or the potential consequences of various policies. And that's already what CCLRs are doing as well, right? We are educating our community members, our community leaders, our members of Congress on the issue and making sure to hold these events and have a chance to discuss and engage the larger public in these conversations. So with that, um, the other thing that we wanted to pull out from that internal CCL research is this great quote that I think really a lot of us can resonate as well. And that is simply that community leaders think their communities need the, uh, need the most help starting conversations. The simple act of how to talk about it, right? This is an interview with an individual, Di Brown. Climate change is a conversation that has been hidden inside many communities for so long. I find, if anything, most people understand the basic concepts, but literally they can't wrap their arms around how to start having community conversations. I personally feel that if we start having conversations with our immediate families about the, uh, the importance of taking action, that would be a great first step for so many. And I think a lot of us can resonate with that and our perception of that as well. So let's talk about that. Um, this is actually going to be uh, set up for our breakout room tonight. And what I'd like to do is um, bring to light a wonderful article by our friends and fellow climate policy group, the Sideline Institute. And this is an interview that they did with our wonderful CCL advisory board member, Catherine Hayhoe, that really simplified how simple it is to have better climate conversations, right? And as we all know, Dr. Hayhoe has done a wonderful job of highlighting the very most important and simple first step to address climate change is by talking about it with the people we know um, and so obviously how we actually do that in this framework is the following. And I'll, I'll just start obviously by acknowledging what many other climate communication researchers emphasize. There's no silver bullet. There's no one solution to having these conversations. These are processes and approaches that work better depending on your condition. Uh, but in this framework, Dr. Hayhoe relates that basically to start with shared values, you bond. You find common ground. You, you have to start with what's important to you and your family. What got you into the climate change game, into the movement, into the actual community that you're active in? Was it your family, your community, your faith background, your work, your, your kids, you name it. And then from that, use that as a hook to identify what you have in common with who you're talking about. Concerns about health impacts, jobs, shared experiences as parents, um, or as community members that are impacted by, you know, more extreme weather events, you name it. Um, and we're going to dive into looking for examples of how to do that in just a little bit, because I know looking around the room, we're already experts. So then number two, connect. Show why climate matters. Talk about climate change and how it affects the things that everyone cares about close to home with local examples. 
For instance, you could discuss how smoke from regional wildfires filled the air across the state uh, and triggered kids' asthma in your own neighborhood. Um, you could specifically connect to the wonderful resources and tools um, that you have available on CCL Community or any of the other climate research places that are helping tell that story and bringing it home. So it's not just far off feeling in both time and place, but showing up in your own life. And then lastly, you also want to inspire, right? One of the key things that Dr. Hayhoe does a wonderful job of um, reminding us is that sharing scary facts alone about climate change doesn't motivate people to take action. If we don't know what to do, scary facts don't activate us. They just paralyze us. It's the way our brains are wired. And so to associate forward action, we need to produce hope not dread to encourage our friends around us and to be that inspiration, right? So you need to demonstrate working solutions. Talk up the real life ways that supporting a policy like carbon fee and dividend can help people, leading to more affordable clean energy, uh, saving us money and waste and time. Um, talk about the real world implications of how the Inflation Reduction Act is gonna make um, energy efficiency improvements in your house, heat pumps, uh, electric vehicles more affordable, and link those stories and success stories back to the shared values you found earlier in that conversation, right? That you've already bonded and connected over. Why does a carbon fee and dividend matter to you and your connection? Well, for Dr. Hayhoe in West Texas, it would create more demand for wind energy to help keep local farmers profitable and resilient and protecting that farmland from increasingly severe droughts, as well as bringing much needed jobs and economic investment to rural areas. So you get the picture, right? That's a perfect little hook into talking about inspiration and working solutions. So with that is put together a little example, just a little two minute video of administration of this. Um, each and every one of you obviously in your own lives can think about um, how this might show up and how you could have um, you know, your own Bond Connect Inspire approach. Uh, but this scenario happens in a grocery store uh, while we're waiting in line and uh, basically, Amy's found out that I uh, picked up some arugula that has a shorter growing season now. Brett, how are you doing? I'm doing great today. All how right. Well, you know, I'm getting really worried about climate change. First, all these fires and storms are getting really bad. I even see it in my backyard. My plants are dying. I've got weird bugs that I've never seen before. And I've got some vegetables that won't even grow anymore. Yeah, man. Yeah, I tell me about it. I definitely am seeing some of the impacts on my end too. Um, my cousin's house flooded when their town got a really weird, unprecedented amount of rain just the other week. <laughs> I think the catch for me is I'm worried about it, but there's nothing we can do. You know, I've heard you can write to your congressman or senator or even meet with them to let them know that we were worried about this <laughs> right they're all in the pockets of corporations and have all that money that's influencing their opinion you've been watching the waltons too much amy <laughs> i know it seems crazy sometimes but i'm kind of getting tired of all this soap opera style complaining in the news media and all these sound bites i need to try something that works yeah good luck with that <laughs> well you know we 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 would be up against a lot but you know Seems to me we live in a democracy. Maybe it's our responsibility to get involved. It definitely is. And, you know, as I think about it, in the past, I have spoken to my city council member last year and actually dressed up and was on my best behavior. And they took my suggestion to put a roadblock up on our street uh, 
to stop cut through traffic seriously. So now you actually have me thinking. One additional area that I'd like to highlight is the power of the Congressional Management Foundation. Now on the CCL community, there is a host of resources and reports that are available if you're interested in finding out more about their important work as a nonprofit. But as a takeaway, the four following bullets are really a key point to remember in your communication with others. When surveyed, members of Congress staffers highlight that a direct constituent interaction is still incredibly important for members of Congress, that members of Congress, when surveyed, place a high value on the value of personal relationships that you and I can highlight, that providing them personalized and local information, which is what CCL continues to strive to provide, is most effective, and that the importance of citizen voices and advocacy still matters. And that is precisely why we communicate from the framework of the brand pillars that we provide our volunteers, right? For the four big areas, big solution, relationship-driven, being nonpartisan and effective, we want to highlight and center the importance of staying focused on national legislative solutions that are going to be able to reduce America's emissions fast, that we are building consensus by developing these respect-based relationships, that we're welcoming you and anyone that are serious about climate change in a nonpartisan way, and that we are engaging on a way that makes sure that meaningful contributions drive our mission forward. Again, I, I would like to just venture that our five levers and our whole framework, right, is the actual antidote to what people are seeking here, getting plugged into a larger movement outside of themselves, seeing people take action, being in community, feeling like they're empowered to then bring that into their own circles outside of their experience at CCL. You know, Yale's polling shows that climate change as a voting issue as well is, a, a, you know, is a potential factor but perceptions are just as important as actual data. And so again, even like for one of these examples, right? With engagement on candidates, when we lobby Congress, letting them know that they need to take action on climate change at each and every stop. That's been one of our focuses this whole campaign um, for election season, because we wanna make this issue not only salient, but breaking that spiral to kind of continue to remind uh, political leaders that this is a critical, critical topic that they can play a role in determining, um, making sure Congress prioritizes climate change moving forward. And you can think about that example across any of these other levers that we're in with media relations, grassroots outreach in the community, grass tops engagement, group and volunteer development, just as a way to feel inspired. I know that we were hinting at this earlier. Um, here's a couple of photos of some of our amazing CCLers in action tabling. You can see the Six Americas interactive charts at work here. Across the country, people are breaking that silence, helping passerbys feeling like it's okay to engage on climate. And they're doing it in fun, creative ways, from quizzes to thinking through, you know, Dear Congress, social media selfies, uh, and not only writing to Congress, but being climate heroes and sharing their own stories about the importance of climate action and thinking about why you take action on climate. And you know, we, all of us on this call on the larger network are part of this, right? Of breaking that spiral, of making it actually front and center. I love some of these creative tabling ways of Captain Dividend 
um, and getting out there and helping their community feel that broader impact. And the only other thing I was just going to highlight is I often feel like it is something that we kind of overlook or we take for granted. We're always on to the next campaign, but taking the time to reflect on our accomplishments, I think is absolutely critical to building that energy and that sense of momentum for especially our newer volunteers and to realize they're plugged into a larger, very effective national movement, right? Mobilizing over 200,000 calls and emails throughout budget reconciliation, phone banking and text banking, four and a half million people publishing, you know, 3,400 plus op-eds and letters to the editor, major news coverage. One place that I love going um, that I'm not sure if many people take advantage of as fully as we could, and that we can constantly keep this updated with more sense of accomplishments is this CCL accomplishment page. So I just put a link to it in the chat. It's a wonderful way. If you, you know, are bumping into volunteers locally, it's just like, well, what have we accomplished? What are we working on? You know, it tells a powerful story of our involvement, not only with the Energy Innovation Act, uh, but with the Inflation Reduction Act, and with, again, bringing and building bridges across Congress with all of these wonderful supporting asks that have been signed into law or continuing to move through Congress with CCL's investment, as well as that state and local effort. And if you're interested in tonight's slide decks, I actually <clears throat> am featuring um, a wonderful couple of slides that Ellie has put together. Um, specifically on telling that story if you're making presentations too. So that same information uh, that I just reviewed about our legislative accomplishments the last couple of years, please feel free to use these in your own storytelling to highlight the accomplishments and impact of CCL uh, work with the work that we're doing, not only domestically, but internationally too, with the success story of Canada. As we know from Dr. Rob Willer's work here, um, who was a prior monthly speaker, you know, you're sharing kind of that mirror effect, right? That basically our, our values are what we hold dear. And he's basically saying folks struggle to understand the perspective of someone with a fundamentally different set um, because basically we're, you know, we're constantly projecting what we are thinking. And so it turns out when we go to talk to someone on an issue, we talk like we're speaking into a mirror to come up with solutions. We must take the time instead to really listen to one another and understand one's values and I think creatively about why someone with a different political or moral commitment um, should nonetheless come to agree with us. And so really, I think just highlighting that acknowledgement and the importance of good listening, like you said, and then that empathy and respect is critical if we are to sew our country back together. So with that, we hope that you found tonight's training useful and empowering. Please continue to provide us feedbacks in the forums. If you have any additional thoughts, we'd love to hear how this is showing up in your own local advocacy work. And we look forward to hearing how tonight's training and your ongoing engagement provide your team and your local group the chance to empower each other in our shared climate advocacy. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a great night. Thank you for listening to this episode of Citizens Climate Lobby's training program. You can tune into more episodes anywhere podcasts are available. Inspired by what you heard today? Join Citizens Climate Lobby to advocate for bipartisan climate solutions. Go to community.citizensclimate.org to find more trainings, resources, your local chapter, national action teams, discussion forums, and more. Be sure to like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Citizens Climate. We also invite all of our listeners to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more inspiration. Like what you hear? Recommend us to your friends and make sure to give us a five-star rating. 
it helps us show up on other listeners' feeds. Feel free to pass on any suggestions for future episodes in the comments as well. And together, we are creating the political will for a livable world.